The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. This episode comes with a content warning. We're having a discussion about mental health, which includes mentions of sensitive topics, including suicidal ideation and a mention of sexual harassment, assault. Please take care when listening. Cat on the podcast! Cat on the podcast! Cat on the podcast! This is like... The most important thing in my entire life. He's actually like my heart and soul. I had to explain to him today that I know he thinks it's breakfast time, but there's this thing called daylight savings. How dare you not be shifting him five minutes earlier (laughs) per day strategically to prepare for this? I didn't even think about it. And I was like, I know you think it's time and it's not. And I just want to go back to bed. And he was like, no, mom. It's time. My daughter is obsessed with cats, and I'm so allergic to cats. We were at a friend's house who has two cats. We were there so long that my face was itchy. Did you hear about the new, like, cat allergy fix thing? No. Okay. I've been doing so much research into this because, like, I want to cure the world of cat allergies because everyone deserves that kind of love. Yeah. So cats, you're mostly allergic to this, like, protein that they produce. And chickens who are raised around cats produce another protein that basically like nullifies the first protein. So then when you mix eggs from that chicken in with your cat's food and they eat it, the cat slowly stops producing the protein that everyone's allergic to. So if you incorporate it in their diet, then eventually, they say about three weeks, ideally, the cat should stop producing the protein as long as they're on that diet and people around them are not so allergic to them anymore. I am in awe. Something's going to happen to those cats. They're going to get like powers or something. (laughs) They're going to be too powerful. Everybody stop praying for the cat. Like what happened to Spider-Man? Like there's like like a cat equivalent is going to happen to them for this. And you know that means they're really just going to take over the world because they're already like this close. Maybe they'll give us universal health care. I would love that. Probably not. They're really withholding emotionally sometimes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Speaking of withholding emotionally, I can tell again that I'm laggy. Rebecca, I sometimes lag like three seconds before everybody else when we're recording. So if I start talking in the middle of your sentence, know that I didn't mean to. That's okay. So hello, Um, everyone. I have really bad ADHD. Perfect. So if I also start (laughs) talking in the middle of your sentence... I'm just neurodivergent. <laughs> Excellent. You're in good company. When we had the ACLU lawyer on and she was trying to give a coherent speech about law school and I was like, I think I could pass the bar of no studying. <laughs> <laughs> 
Was she upset? No, she handled it so nice. I have such embarrassment about that comment. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about asking you to take it out, but I was like, no, I'm going to be real. I love it. Because why the why the fuck did I say that? Because you saw Legally Blonde too many times. My husband is an attorney, so like I watched him take the bar. Man, that stuff looks so freaking hard. <laughs> I really think if I registered for the one they have tomorrow, if they have one tomorrow, I think I could body that. Like, I, there's no reason. It depends. It, like, if you took it in Florida. Oh, yeah. I feel like Florida's not a strong bar. Florida is just Ron DeSantis. True or false? <laughs> Fuck. The reason I know I couldn't go to law school is because they cold call you during class. And I never do the readings for shit. And I know that I'm not going to change to go to law school to do the readings ahead of class so that they can cold call me. That would be the kiss of death. Like, What do they do if you don't know? They roast your ass. Like, do they take you out back and break your knees? Basically. Like, what do they literally do? It depends on the professor. There are professors who will, like, just sit there and lecture you. There are professors who will ask you to leave. To leave is crazy. I paid tuition here. If I want to be stupid, that's my business. My friend's in law school, and I'm like, I don't know. You're at because literally, I would, like, if they called on me, I would just be like, I don't know, call on somebody else. Like, I, had, but I'm gathering in that environment, they would not really take well to that kind of call. Nope. Nope. Oh, God. Well, welcome back to Teacher Quit Talk. Everyone, one and all, we have a real podcaster here with us and just generally wonderful human being and quasi-famous person. Our guest is the host of Would You Believe, a podcast that showcases the daily struggles of various occupations through conversations where her guests share funny and silly stories about their jobs. I'm Fraz. I'm Miss Redacted. And our guests can introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Rebecca Rogers. Um, I was a teacher in North Carolina for Four or five years, I honestly can't remember at this point. I've been out of the classroom for two years now, and it feels like it was 100 years ago. But there are some things that I remember like it was yesterday because it haunts my dreams, and I just can't escape it ever felt <laughs> like mental health issues yeah which is why we're all here today i feel like i keep saying last year meaning 2021 22 i took a full year but it feels like yesterday because it's so fresh in my psyche i still wake up sometimes freaking out that i didn't get my lessons done which has never happened to me like i've never actually had that happen but I will still to this day wake up feeling panicked because I don't have something ready for my classroom and it takes me a good five minutes to be like, I don't teach anymore. <laughs> what am I so stressed about? I'm currently teaching and I don't have my stuff and I'm not even that stressed. <laughs> no, I I will be in the mornings if I wake up, like now that the time's changed, I wake up and I'm like, it's school time. The way that you wake up at 4 a.m. and you're like, this is airport time. I don't know if maybe I'm the only one that does that. Yeah. But now I'm like in the shower and I'm like, it's school o'clock. Or if the light's a certain way when I'm driving in the morning. If I'm going out of town and I'm like driving to the airport at 5.30, even six, I will audibly say to my husband, wow, can you believe I had to get up and like be a person at this time in the morning every day? The be a person part is really, really key because at my current school, I wake up earlier than I ever did at my previous school 
But now I work out in the morning, so I don't have to be a person till like eight. But at my old school, I had to be a person at 7.15. And even though I have to wake up earlier, the being a person is really the time that matters, not what time you get out of bed. And we had to be there for 6.55 in the morning, ready to let children into our classrooms that early. I can't even imagine having to be like 6.55. That is insane. Mine aren't supposed to be there till 8.10. And if one of them walks in at 8.03, I'm like, oh my God. What age do you teach? I teach high school. So our schedule, is from like eight-ish to three-ish. That sounds amazing. I also taught high school. What's crazy to me is this high school has a good schedule. I really like that schedule. The high school that I attended and the high school I taught at previously were both on more of like a seven to two. I loved the two part. The seven is where you (laughs) lose me. That's a technically when class starts. And I don't know. I don't know if this is just an our county thing. I don't know. But they would always like just let all the kids come in. Like they didn't collect them in the gym or in the cafeteria or anything before school. Just as soon as they got to the building. Hey, be ready. They're going to come to your class. Which like I don't think was a bad thing. But, you know, I had to be ready for kids at 655. But 6.55 is crazy. They uh, keep all of mine hostage in the cafeteria for roughly 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> Before. Sometimes you need those 15, 20 minutes, you know, collect yourself, take a deep breath. I have to walk past them on the way to my room and our cafeteria has like big glass doors like a lot of cafeterias do. And I just see them in there going crazy. I'm like you're going insane for it to be 7.50 a.m. The Taylor Swift song has never been more relevant. Was that lyric? I don't remember. Everything about Taylor Swift is always relevant. See redacted? I, I, okay, this is the thing. I have never said a negative word about Taylor Swift. But if y'all don't get overarching positivity, you take it really personally. I've said it before. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being I love her, I'm a 6. I am not the enemy. I am not the enemy. I watched your TikTok where you qualified that like nine times. And I was like, this is hilarious. (laughs) I'm so scared. I I quote Taylor Swift in every single, every time I do any kind of interview or anything, I always quote Taylor Swift, always. Like when I say, I'm just going to use like the parents as an example. But like if crazy parents don't want me to make skits about them, maybe they shouldn't act like crazy parents. And that's what she said to Ellen one day. If boys don't want me to write songs about them, Maybe they shouldn't do bad things. Boom. So for today, we're talking about mental health in teaching. And I mean, we could talk about this from like 900 different angles. As per usual, we didn't talk about it ahead of time. But I did see that there was a statistic that came out that nearly three quarters of teachers and 85% of principals said they experience frequent job-related stress compared with only a third of working adults, which sounds about right to me because shit has just absolutely hit the fan. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, three quarters. That's not ideal, I would say. Honestly, better than I expected. I'd like to talk to that one out of four. (laughs) What are you doing? I mean, when you have teachers years later after they leave the classroom still waking up from teacher nightmares, I think that says a lot about how traumatic it can be to be in the school system. It's not the greenest flag no, I've ever right. seen. Exactly. So I I know that like before the pandemic people would be like oh my gosh, like, how do you teach with, like, because I talk about my OCD or my ADHD a lot, and people will be like, well, how do you cope? Like, what do you do? And, I mean, it's like anything else. I would always just be like, I don't know. Yeah. How does anybody cope with anything? Not well. <laughs> it's all yeah. I know. 
It's all I've ever done. Well, like people, people ask me the same thing. Like, what are your tips for teaching with ADHD? Or I, I've been asked, you know, I'm, I have not been diagnosed on the spectrum, but I've had people ask, hey, I'm on this, like, what do you suggest? And I like, we're not experts. We're just trying to survive. And again, like I'm not in the classroom anymore, but even when I was like, we're just in survival mode, you know? And I, I think that Sometimes people see social media teachers like on the screen and I think we look more professional than we actually are or feel because most of us are really just in survival mode trying to get through the day. As I say many times a week. I just work here. Yeah. I don't know. I just I just work here. Yeah, it's like, and my coping strategy might be totally different from yours. So it's like, this is what might work for me. But also a lot of the times what works for me is letting stuff go and being like, you know what? I don't have the brain space to care about X, Y, or Z. But for another person, that causes them so much anxiety that they're like, that is quite literally the worst advice I've ever heard because it makes it so much worse for me. And I'm like, okay, well, don't do that thing. Um, you, you're like that? Yeah, mine was just I didn't sleep. Oh. That was Because that's how I got everything done, you know? I just didn't sleep. Mm-hmm. No, that will kill you. That is the silent killer. Yes, which is why when people are, like, asking me for advice about it, I'm like, you don't, don't ask, please don't ask me. Don't listen to anything that I say about that no like I'll tell you all the things that I don't do that you should be doing but I think I was the most unhealthiest in my life when I was teaching not only because of like my perfectionist like ideals of everything needs to be perfect and blah 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 and if it's not that's just gonna stress me out but also the expectations of um our administration was wild not the administration the parents not all of them like some of them were phenomenal human beings but you know we We don't always remember the really nice ones. We remember the ones that gave us nightmares at night and made us hate ourselves. So, you know. We remember the ones that when you see their name come up in your outlook, a shiver goes from the top of your head to all the way down your spine. Like I had I had quite a few parents who just genuinely believed that I was not allowed to take any time off from teaching. Like my first year, I had a parent who, I kid you not, emailed me every day, including weekends. And if I didn't respond, including weekends, I would get an additional email just berating me, demanding that I give her my phone number because she couldn't reach me over weekends and I'm not accessible enough to her because I don't respond over weekends. And I'm like, girl, no. You're not the only one having anxiety. I think that mom had a bit. Oh my god. She's like, unless the teacher's as anxious as me, I will not be satisfied. We had so many issues with this woman. Like, I think the first time that I knew that this woman was going to be a red flag was when she put in an email, hey, I'm not able to get a hold of you over the weekend, so I need your phone number so I have better access to you. And I said, I'm sorry, that's like a personal boundary. I'm not going to answer emails over the weekend. I'm not giving parents my personal cell phone. And she's like, but my kid, Connor's always my go-to name to use. So Connor, what if he has a question? I said, then I'll be happy to answer it Monday. Like once I put my foot down and I was like, I'm not giving you my phone number. Then she started gaslighting me. And she's like, I never even asked you for your phone number. That's a really weird accusation. You're like, it's in an email. (laughs) And I was like, okay, sorry for the confusion, I guess. And not like 10 minutes later, I get a call from the office that's like, hey, do you have like a kid whose parent's name is Karen? And I said, yeah. And she said, she just called the counselor's office asking for your phone number. 
And I said, are you positive? It's like, she asked for my phone number. Like, yeah. I'm like, you're she didn't just mean the number to my classroom. No, no, no. She specifically asked for your personal cell phone number. And we told her no. So then I sent her another email. And I was like, hey, I just heard from the office. I heard you were trying to get in touch with me. I don't know if you saw my previous email or not. Um, just wanted to follow up because, again, during work hours, I will get back to you. But they said that you were looking for my phone number. And, again, I don't give that out. And her response, again, was literally, I don't know why you keep accusing me of asking for your phone number. Like, you need to stop making all these accusations because it's making me feel really unsafe to have my child in your classroom. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I aspire to this level of delusion. You want to hear delusion? Yes. The same woman, her child plagiarized their entire project. The entire project. I'm kidding. Like, there was not a sentence that this kid did not copy and paste. And so, you know, he got a zero. Our policy was give them a zero and give them the opportunity to redo it. So I did. You know, that's the policy. Absolutely. You let me, you have the quarters and end for two months. You have two months to turn it back in. I will happily grade it, but I can't accept this. Um, called a parent teacher conference with the principal and the counselor because. Where in your directions did it say that he can't plagiarize? Oh. It's not this in is, this project directions. This is actually a school. <laughs> we don't do that shit here. So glad I could help you out with that. I literally just went over and over about how, you know, because I didn't put it in this project's directions, there's no way I could hold him to that. And that I just need to go ahead and give him the A because this was a good project and all the information is correct. And I'm like, yes, it is, because it's all copy and pasted from, like, this museum. You're like, yeah, I, I certainly hope the Museum of Natural History has their facts straight. I could assume that they do. Like, just the only response she had to me, but she looked me in the eye and she said, well, my kid is going to be an engineer or a lawyer one day. And when he makes it, you'll be sorry. And I'm like, I don't want him to not succeed. I just want him to do the project correctly. Like, right. You're so much nicer than me. Yeah, seriously. I would have been like, well, I'm never going to walk into one of the buildings he engineered because obviously he's not capable of it. And like... If you're having mental health issues and nobody's respecting your boundaries... And gaslighting the shit out of you. <laughs> if you're already mentally ill, that does not help. It was just kind of assumed that because I was younger, it was my first year that she just was like, nah, I can gaslight her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's ripe enough. <laughs> the veteran teachers knew not to respond to email one. They said, no, I can, I can sense this aura. No, veteran teachers know what's up. One of my friends called me about her day at school and she was telling me that her veteran teacher neighbor was like, have you asked the union about stress mental health leave or something? And I was like, when do you learn these things? Because how do you, how does every veteran teacher know like the intricacies? Is that what getting a union gets you? Apparently. I didn't know. I still don't know. I I'm was like. so sad right now. I know. I was like, I have never heard of that in my life. I'm so jealous right now. Like, I'm not even teaching anymore. And I'm so jealous of that. I don't even know if it's real. But the veteran teacher said it was. And honestly, if the veteran teacher says it to the principal with enough conviction, be like, I'm going to call the union and I need my days for my stress leave. Like, I think it would work. I think they'd buy it. I'm like, I, I, I could tell you so many stories from teaching in the South of like people just genuinely not caring. How many years were you teaching? It was either four or five. So I'm going to say four and a half. Yeah, that's how I feel. Like when COVID started, the, the dad that was so offended that I wouldn't go meet him and his kid at Taco Bell 
to tutor him. Where are the boundaries? At least they picked a good venue. <laughs> yeah, like literally, they're like, there's like a Taco Bell right up the street from the school. We should go there on Saturdays so you can keep my kid on track. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I need to keep myself on track. I would have been like, will you buy me a Crunchwrap Supreme? Took it all the way to the principal because I would not meet them at Taco Bell on Saturdays to tutor his kid. I can't even imagine like a parent asking, like I, I would laugh because I would think they were joking. I did. I think they were joking. Like, that's so presumptuous. Like- there was one time over summer. I was in California. This was, like, the first time I was ever in California. Someone, My school called me at 7 in the morning in July because the mom just decided, you know what? We really should have been on top of these grades more. Can we somehow get bumped up to an A? She was only two points away. So they called me. In July? In July. Everybody left, but she's still there. Yeah. You did it, Redacted. I know. I know. (laughs) They called me in July. I can't believe they entertained that. What school, like, entertains that? One that doesn't respect you as a human. Right. My old school made us keep kids work for two years because parents could dispute grades up to two years later. So I literally had to like, when I quit, I had to like leave them my cases upon cases of student folders. Mine were meticulously organized in hot pink file folders. So I hope that they live on for many generations. Two years. Oh my gosh. Like imagine being like, my kid in algebra two years ago Let's let's reopen that. What happened there? Where do you even keep all of that work? Like I can't even imagine where I would put all that. In a big yeah. scary room that had mold on the ceiling. Ew. I just it's like what can you even do about it 2 years later? Like if you fail algebra 2 and you can't go to pre-calc or something, like it's not like going back 2 years is going to fix that so that you could have taken retroactively. I think what it is is like parents, this is my theory with no evidence, is like you have to have a certain number of credits to graduate. Not all of those are a specific class. Like you have to have a certain number of language credits and you could take that in different things. So stuff like that, like math, it's required. You don't get passed to the next thing usually, whatever. But I think they do this folder bullshit for kids that are shy of credits at graduation so that they can dig through Oh, look at your art folder. I guess you did enough. Let's just change that to passing to like get kids that are close over the line when parents come and freak out because at the high school level, that's where parents will freak out is when they realize their kid isn't graduating. It usually like you don't see the freak out until then because in high school, they don't really hold them back. They just like if you as a parent are not like deeply analyzing their schedule and comparing it to the state curriculum, you're not going to notice that they're in like, I don't fucking know, like natural history instead of physics and means that they were held back. You know, like you're not gonna really put that together. So a lot of parents who are less than in touch with their child's educational progression have a very scary discovery in April of graduation year. I don't agree with it, but it makes sense to my brain. Yeah, yeah. Like I see how it happened. Do I like it? No. Right, exactly, exactly. I think there's like this thing that happens where like admin can go over teachers' heads for certain things without collaborating with teachers that can leave us feeling really like disregarded and like that is 
such an issue for me that like if I'm already feeling like I'm drowning and failing in the school setting as a teacher and then it's like oh well you didn't pass this kid two years ago and if you had they would be doing x y or z and it's like all your fault like I would totally internalize it that way you're like yeah and I stole candy from the gas station when I was seven anything else you guys want to bring up like (laughs) It was two years ago. I had two principals kind of go behind my back and gaslight the crap out of me um, because one of my kids' parents was a principal in the county as well. Uh-huh. I told the story so many times, but I don't know if you've ever heard it, Raz. So I've never heard it. The first time our school ever went back in person from COVID, they gave parents the option. Do you want to do in-person school for your kid or do you want to do virtual school for your kid? What do you want to do? And so that started in January. And so you had some teachers who were in-person teachers, some teachers who were virtual teachers, and some teachers who were hybrid teachers. Well, in March, they decided in the middle of the semester, like not even at the end of the quarter, in the middle of the quarter, that they were going to let parents change their minds. Perfect. And change from in-person or virtual. But remember, you have a lot of teachers who are only in person or only virtual. So this was going to fundamentally change everybody's schedules in the middle of the quarter, right? It was the dumbest Holy thing shit. ever. Oh, what did y'all's grade books look like? Oh, God. A haunted house, but it's just whatever that is. So the solution for the grade books was that, like, let's say where they were going from one world history class to another We were all supposed to have very similar assignments and very similar grades, so that would transfer over. But if they weren't able to fit that in the schedule and they were supposed to just drop world history halfway through the semester, it's just gone. Like, everything they did is just gone. And they'll start over in, like, music theory or something like, yeah. And if they had not been previously in a world history class, I'm supposed to just start them new in the middle. Yeah, that was, yes. Yes. So, oh my god. Yes. So that is so horrid. We got emails from our counselors that basically said, "Hey, we're trying to figure out this calendar in this schedule and we're struggling." So, just letting you know, while we figure out this giant jigsaw puzzle, we might be putting some people into your roster who are just there for a placeholder while we figure out where else to put them. So you have some kids that show up on your roster, but they don't come to class. Don't be alarmed. That might not actually be their class. We will have like official schedules done by next Thursday. So what they did, I was a completely virtual teacher. Like I was only supposed to teach virtual classes. So what we were instructed to do, and this was countywide, not just our school, but countywide, is we had to have our little virtual classroom set up on our class websites that had links to all of the Google Classrooms, Google Meets, everything for each period so that the kids could find their way to each class as their schedules change. And that was that. So I, of course, had a couple kids show up on my roster who didn't come to class for a day or two. Didn't think anything of it because the counselor said, this is normal, you're going to see them. If they don't show up, then they're not in your class because if they are in your class, they will know to go to your virtual classroom and find your Google link and find all this. So day two of this one kid, day two of this one kid being on my list and not coming to class, I get a very angry email from his mother That's like, why has my child been on your roster for two days and you haven't reached out to him and you haven't called and you haven't checked in? Like, did you just not notice that he's in your class and he's not showing up? And I was like, 
oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I had no idea. It's a little bit of a crazy time. You know, I assumed that he was just kind of on as a placeholder. I, I guess he just didn't see my Google Classroom or my virtual classroom. Here's all the links. Here's all everything. Can't wait to see him tomorrow for class. But the next day, he also didn't show up and not whatever. Why would he? Right. He's already missed two days. <laughs> What's another? Who cares? Like, the grades are resetting anyways, apparently. <laughs> Nothing's real. Fuck it. The mom emails me again and is like, you haven't answered all these questions and blah, blah, blah. He doesn't know how to get here. He can't find your classroom. This isn't making any sense. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, it's the same as every other teacher's. Everyone else is doing what they're supposed to be doing and is finding the class. Like, how I don't understand how you're not finding, but whatever. Again, here's all the information. Here's this. I can't remember exactly what her next email was, but she sent it at like 3.30 p.m. And I always left at like 2.30, 2.45. So I didn't see it. And I didn't respond to it. And then she sent another email at like 4 or 5, angry that I didn't respond to the one from 3.30. And then she sent another one at like 6 o'clock because I didn't respond to the other two. And then she sent another one at 8 p.m. because I didn't respond to the others. And so I get to school the next day at 6.55 and see all these emails. And I'm like, hey, ma'am, I actually left for the day, I don't really check my email when I go home. Um, but, you know, here's the answers to all your questions. I hope to finally see your kid in class today. It's going to be a great rest of the semester. We got it. Let me know if you have any additional questions. Her response is, well, just so you know, I'm a principal at the elementary school down the road. And I expect my teachers to be checking their emails at 8 p.m. Ew. And if my teachers can be on board and check their emails at 8 p.m., I don't see why you're not being a team player for your school as well. Uh, you're not in charge of me, ma'am. I would have replied to her and been like, glad I don't work for you. Yeah. It sounds like y'all are a mess. Well, apparently she and my principal were friends because her elementary school was our feeder school, I guess. So she came to my school oh. to chat with the principal about my uh boundaries of not checking at 8 p.m and then he came to see me and told me that i upset his friend so he expects me to apologize to her Mm, no because i made her feel like her child wasn't my top priority ew he's not moving on even the most strict school that i was at we had like a 24-hour grace period one year i wanted to give my families a google voice number and my principal was like please don't do that because it sets an unrealistic expectation going forward if their kindergarten teacher gave a google voice number they're going to go to first grade and be like hey mrs so-and-so gave me a google voice number so i expect your number so they were like please only use like class dojo or google classroom or whatever your preferred method is but they were like do not give a phone number because of this that's why i think that the invention of remind is like the worst thing that education could have done to teachers by creating this like safe way to text teachers why would you have that that is the worst thing for teachers mental health like why are you setting up this expectation of oh well it's easier to get in touch with them because it goes to their phone you don't need to get in touch with them when they're at their houses i'm just looking at redacted like so let's motherfucking talk about remind (laughs) so remind was like new when i was in high school and a couple of my teachers had it but my boyfriend is older than me and he went to private school and when he saw me texting the kids he was like what the fuck is that he was like what do you mean they text you he was like for 
what? What could they possibly need at 8 p.m.? Because I have it, but I only have the notifications on. School ends at three. I think my notifications stop at four. Like I have it like a little bit longer, but not that much. And I was like messaging one of them back because they needed me to print something out for them. You know how children are because their Chromebook exploded or their dog ate it or something. And he was like, I never in my life would have ever expected that kids text their teachers now. And he and he was making fun of it because he saw that I had like a bunch of unread messages that I was just like not answering because like I'm gonna do it when I get to work. And he was like, they really don't leave you alone. He was like, some of those things they can figure out. And I was like, but here we are. And he was like, do the parents have this? I think what's so crazy to me is like the parents that freak out about like, like the conspiracy theorists that are like, teachers are trying to be our kids' parents or teachers are trying to X, Y, Z and they're too close to our kids and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, they're like, why are you not reminding me back? Why are you not at 24 seven? Like, no, I'm not texting your kids back at 9 p.m. Didn't you just yesterday accuse me of trying to be your kid's mom? Like, I don't know. I don't talk to other people's kids at 9 p.m. Only weirdos do that. If someone's talking to your kid at 9 p.m., it's a red flag. Yes. Figure out who that person is. The only time in my life that I had a parent who was really, really, really like crossing my boundaries was also at the time when I was probably at like my mental illest was when I was eight months pregnant. I had a parent who was very what we call high touch, loves to chat with the teachers. They had a very uh, robust reputation across multiple schools. And we never had a problem, but something happened at school and I wasn't there. I, I was out because when I was pregnant, I had a really bad pelvis thing. So I was in bed with my pelvis was like on fire. I was very emotional. And this parent was going crazy pants because something had happened at school and I wasn't there to help. And she was freaking out to the point where she was sending emails, she was sending dojos, she was calling my Google Voice, she was calling the office a lot. So I got contacted from the office, I don't think they thought I was checking emails because they weren't like that, but they had like put in a message to me for like, hey, when you get this, like you should know like so-and-so's mom is whatever. And I read it and I called her back. I was like, hey mom, what's going on? And she was like, yelling, like fully screaming and yelling. And I didn't have any context for what was going on. I wasn't there and she knew I wasn't there. So I was like, wait, 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 like, give me this again. Like who, who are the players here? Like what teacher, what kids, like, let me know what's going on. And she kept yelling. And that triggered me so bad. And I have never done this ever, have never done it since. I yelled back at her. And my husband comes in the room and I'm laying in bed yelling and crying at this parent. And I'm like, listen, I have defended you. I have been there for you. I have been on your side. Your child is like my number one priority. I think about him every single day, but I am home in bed. You know that I'm not at school. You know that I'm eight months pregnant. You know that I'm in pain because I limp around everywhere. Like you, you know all of this. So why are you yelling at me? And she stopped and was like, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm I'm sorry. I am so sorry. She was like, you're so right. The kid got his chips taken out of his lunchbox by a teacher who was manning the lunch station. And we had talked about this before. Like, I don't like when people take my kids' lunches away. I don't like when they touch my kids' chips because they're quote unquote unhealthy. Like, 
I we've had this discussion, but I was like, why are you screaming at me right now? And my principal, I went in the next day and I was like, I have to tell you, I like yelled at this parent. Like I I actually was really unprofessional and I actually yelled at her. And she was like, good. Maybe she won't do it to somebody else. Sometimes (laughs) people just need to find out. Like sometimes people, it's just really evident that they've never found out. And sometimes you got to tell them. The last interaction we ever had was like, very end of the year and she like got my daughter these like very cute bows and this like sweet gift and she like came into my room and was like I am I am really sorry for what happened and I was like it's fine it's water under the bridge like it's fine I think too like people forget that teachers are people that's the only issue you've had like that yeah well I had one parent my first school year that protested outside of my room going there are bullies in room one there are bullies in room one. I had that parrot. I don't know if you've heard that story, Rebecca. No, no, I haven't. I had a student who my first year teaching was having absence seizures and he was having like day nightmares, like waking nightmares. And he felt that people were transforming into monsters and like attacking him. And at the time, his parents didn't know what was going on. And they were very insistent that he was being bullied in front of our eyes, like to the point where they came in to observe one day because I was like, I promise you, I've had eyes on him every day, all day. Like, this is not happening. Like, nobody did that to him or whatever. And I was like, please come in my room. You're welcome to be here anytime. And they observed. And it was to the point where the son walked up to the mom and said, mommy, they they did it again and you missed it. And she was like, I haven't taken my eyes off of you. But like he was like hallucinating. So he was very insistent and it was very scary for him and her and everyone. So that translated into like there were times when they were very adamant that like I was like allowing bullies to like traumatize and abuse their son and so they protested outside of my classroom with like a sign and yelling and it was very 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 dramatic and awful but like of course it was like how would we know it was a very serious situation but it's also like that was the only other parent that I've ever had that like did things like that that I like could not resolve but the year after after I left we found out what had been going on with him and they like got him treatment and stuff and he's doing much better but oh good oh that's so devastating I know it's hard in kindergarten because there's a lot of stuff that like you don't know or like you find out for the first time about your kid or a lot of stuff that gets triggered so like it can be really intense for a lot of parents and kids yeah and teachers obviously but yeah well especially when they're so young because you always had the littles the itty bitties so like how how can they properly communicate what's happening to them in a way that like I feel like so many parents might hear and teachers might experience that and write that off as oh is my kid fibbing like how does a child advocate for themselves in that kind of situation I feel so bad for kids sometimes because we really gaslight them so much like they tell us stuff and we're like "Mm, you're wrong like And they just don't know how to explain it. No, And when it's something like a hallucination that like kindergartners don't really have, that's not like a common thing. It's like really difficult. Exactly. And like, especially if I was sitting in class and saw a monster, I might be like, maybe I should go to the hospital. Like I would think something was wrong with me, but kindergartners don't know that. So they're going to be like, holy shit. Right. And then like, if Jay came up to me and was like, mommy, this is happening and you're not protecting me, like, holy fuck. Fuck, I know that I would react poorly. So I get it. 
I do. You'd be the one sending the email. Like even with that, because like I, I know it ends up getting chalked up. Like, oh, um, it's a misunderstanding, and the teacher didn't try to harm the kid. But like at the time, like what did that do to your mental health? Because you, like, you had these parents accusing you. You had like you saw with your own eyes this isn't happening, and like it's gaslighting you. And even like. Did the parent continue to berate you about it after sitting in the room and seeing it wasn't happening? Yes. But I was, like, going through a lot of shit that school year because that was the year that I got sexually harassed and assaulted by my coworker. Um, So I had a really good admin who they knew that, like, I just needed support. And I was like, can you help me handle this? But that just, in general, like, I think when you're teaching, a career is long, And this happened my first year, but a lot of shit happens throughout life. And if you're teaching and you're going through something as well, regular mental health stressors can really tip you over the edge. I mean, we're like, we've seen in the news recently, teachers, God, I've never done anything close to this, but we've seen teachers showing up drunk at school. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Like, we're clearly seeing so many teachers struggle. Like, it's a theme. Teachers are coming in, like, teachers can't handle it. They're quitting or they're having mental breakdowns. And like, I, people always try it up to oh well maybe they just weren't a great teacher but like you have to think about what gets so many professionals like this isn't just a one-off or a two-off or anything like that this is a theme a pattern of professionals you can't explain just oh well maybe they just weren't meant to be there what is wrong with the system and that so many of these professionals are falling down this path and falling down the wells and just unable to get themselves out until they absolutely lose their minds and the fact that people are seeing this happening and they're able to acknowledge oh yeah like i feel like now it's become much more popular to like oh yeah the system's broken people are finally starting starting to accept that but like what do you what do you do about it like what is anyone actually doing about it you can say all day long oh yeah the system burnt out another one but like nothing's being done every district hr is in the chat and they're like we had a lunch and learn about managing stress literally last week so don't say we're not doing anything because we care a lot we gave them a pizza party and we only asked them to double cut some of the pizzas we only asked them to put in like five dollars for the pizza or wear jeans stop don't trigger me with asking for five dollars we asked them five dollars to wear jeans we're putting the money in the sunshine committee fund. The $5 for jeans really loses me. At least I don't have to do that. At least I still have that shred of dignity. Didn't they just impose a dress code on you recently? So there is the dress code that exists. We were only allowed to wear jeans on Fridays if we also wore like a school shirt or something school related. And I didn't even like no one even really communicated that to me. But our one of our first weeks of school, because like I was a young teacher and I was teaching seniors partly. So like I always tried to dress professionally to like make those boundaries. But one of the Fridays was like wear your college colors kind of things. So like I wore I wore this actually I wore literally this. And one of the older teachers came up to me and just starts berating me because she's like, I know you're new, but we're only supposed to be wearing like the green and blue. And so like, don't be surprised if admin comes by and tells you to change. And I literally just let her go on for like two minutes before I was like, it's college day. And she goes, oh, I guess I missed that email. Okay. And just walked away. Oh my God. I would be so embarrassed <laughs> if I was her. I'm sure she wasn't. <laughs> oh, she did not care. 
I guarantee you, like, she did not care at all. <laughs> oh, my God. So, wait, Redactor, are you following the policy? Oh, my dress code policy? So, my district, with all the peace and love in the world, got rid of the student dress code, which I was very in favor for. So, the children have no dress code other than their undergarments need to be covered and nothing can be, like, drug or profane. They have none at all. No. I see crop tops. I see everything. Interesting. They also, they recently had to change it again because they had to, before they just said, underwear has to be covered, nothing profane. They just added, you do have to wear shoes because a lot of kids were wearing like slippers, like, and not slides. I'm not saying slippers the way old people do. I'm being very literal when I say slippers. But the kids have no dress code, which is great. Love that for them. So happy for them. Unfortunately, the teacher dress code is very much intact. Do I follow it? If you're looking at me from a distance, yes. If you're looking at me up close, you will realize that these are not slacks. They are, in fact, yoga pants. If you wear a good shirt over them, you really can't tell. But it's so interesting when thinking about, like, mental health for teachers because on one hand, like, I want to find solutions so badly because I still have friends and family that are in the system that I'm, like, just watching be abused by the system. But at the same time, I always hated when I was in the classroom hearing people not in the classroom say, okay, teachers, here's what you have to do to save yourselves and to save your mental health and to do all this. And so, like, it's that fine line that I never really I always get really nervous because I never want to like cross a line or anything like that but what would you as someone who's in the classroom still what kind of solutions for mental health issues have you found help you right now during these unprecedented times oh god number one and again, is this a solution? Maybe, but it's what I do. I use chat GTP a lot. If I'm feeling stressed out, that's my co-teacher. She's always got my back. Other things, if I don't think something is important, I kind of just don't do it. Or I will find a way to do it where I don't actually have to do it. So my school has this thing this year. This to me was the most stressful part of teaching. Is not like my curriculum and the children, but when they put on all these extra things. So like my thing that my school is doing this year, which like I'm not against the thing. It's just stressful to have a lot of things. It's this push for literacy where every Tuesday and Thursday we need to have a literacy based assignment in every single class. So like to me, that's just stressful to have to keep track of which days we are. Oh, their schedule changed. Now I have to move the literacy assignment. Is this what you mean by a literacy assignment? Like just stuff like that is really stressful for me. So I really put my thinking cap on and I was like, you know what? Pretty much all the work I give them has some kind of literacy in it because it's social studies. So either you're reading something and analyzing it, or sometimes you're writing about a cartoon. So all I do is I print out a sheet of paper every week that says what we're doing for literacy and literally just write what the assignment already was. And we already like the way I do their assignments, I give them like a big one and we work on it for like two, three days. So like, I know it's going to happen pretty much every day. They're going to be exposed to that. So finding, I don't want to call it a lazy way or a shortcut because I still am doing literacy with them, but finding like ways that you can check things off your box really easily. Another one in my old district, they were really adamant that we always needed to have a vocab wall. When am I creating this bulletin board for you? So what I would do is just go on Quizlet and find a set that was pretty and had pictures and all that, and then just print it out and then have a kid cut them up and put them on there when they finished their work. They loved that. Yeah, that one person realized my ways and just said, hmm, you're protecting your mental health too much. But for a while, that was working. And then what did you do, Redacted? I just, I kept doing the Quizlet thing. 
Because ultimately, there's someone doing something worse. That's right. Like, Rebecca, what you were saying, I'm the same way. of Like, I'm very a perfectionist. Like, especially if an authority figure is like, you need to do this. I really take it personally if they, like, say I do something wrong or bad. Like, that's just really hard for me. So, especially in my last district, they were way more micromanaging. My current district is like, girl, you got this. Moving on. But in my last district, I really had to, like, realize you are going to say something negative no matter what. Because one time they observed me and they literally gave me a checklist of before of what they were looking for. And I worked my ass off over an entire weekend and everything was perfect. Literally every single thing. And that's when they said the thing about the Quizlet being on the board. And that's when I realized like, no matter how perfect I am, you're going to say one negative thing. So I just need to get over the fact that you're going to say one negative thing. And like that really like released me from like the mental illness shackles of education because I realized like you're just telling me this not because of what you observed, not because you want me to get better, not because of anything that I actually care about. You're telling me this so that you can write it on a form so then that you can turn that in so we have evidence to show what we spent taxpayer money on so your position is justified, which isn't negative about you. It's just the system we live in. You're just doing your job. And like, I'm not going to take it personally when you're just doing your job. But that was hard. That took me a long time to get to because before they would be like, oh, you're learning objective. And I'd be like, oh, kill myself. Perfect. I'll just go outside. Like I would just get so, so upset if they like gave me any form of criticism. See, you're like sneak attack sensitive. <laughs> oh, I'm very sneak attack sensitive. I think like when I was still in it, I was a very similar way. So like when they would do the evaluations, I would ask like, oh, what do I need to do to become proficient? What do I need to do to become exceed? But like, I don't even remember what all the levels were at this point. But I remember like I would panic when I wasn't, oh, accomplished. Like I would panic, like why am I not accomplished? And they're like, well, it's because you're a new teacher. And I'm like, okay, but what can I do to get there? And like, I couldn't let go of the fact that like I wasn't mastering it, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Because like in my perfectionist brain, I was like, well, if I'm not getting all these high scores, then I'm not being a good teacher. And then like, how do I get better? And like, they just kept explaining to me, you're not going to get there for like five, 10 years. And I'm like, well, then why do we have this system? That's terrible for mental health to say, oh, you have a rubric, but you physically will not be able to reach these high levels. It's unattainable for you right now. I I hate that. That's so damaging to like your psyche. Yes, I hated it too. I remember the first like observation of the year, they would always rate us lower because you would never get rated super well in the beginning of the year. And then like you could never attain it fully by the end of the year. And I was like, okay. It also really like (laughs) sets you up. I think like, I'm going to sound like a little government narc right now, but I think that evaluating people is like really valuable for their professional development. But if you have an evaluation system that's set up that way, you're not giving people any incentive to try and improve. Because if I'm on year two and you're telling me I'll never get to that category until I get to year 10, it doesn't matter if I'm teaching incredibly in three years. Like I'm fucking crushing it so hard just because it hasn't been enough time according to so-and-so, we can't put you in that category. That gives people 
absolutely no incentive to be bettering their craft, to be researching, to be learning. Like it's just like siloing people and like it's showing them that this evaluation system is literally just complete garbage. So there's no point in trying. Like I said, is the conclusion we have to come to so we don't get so burnt out that we jump out the window. Yeah. And I mean like teaching environments and teachers' mental health, that impacts students' mental health. Like there have been studies shown showing that there is a tie to the two of them. And I think it makes a lot of sense, you know, like I don't think the phrase hurt people hurt people is applicable here. I don't know what I want to say. But like if you're not doing well, like you're going to struggle in the classroom. And I think I've seen a lot of veteran teachers who are way past burnout that really have some harmful practices in the classroom because something like forced uh conforming and like what are the words I'm trying to say like when you're not your best self you're not the teacher your kids deserve yeah yeah yeah. I get what you mean Fraz I get exactly what you mean I think I know what it is because it happened to me last Thursday so I had to stay at school until like 7 p.m because we had a parent night thing to talk about student data and test scores so I had a very long and very stressful and unhappy day and then I didn't get home so you know how it goes I didn't get my enrichment time in my enclosure to watch my real housewives whatever so I came to school the next day and I ha- I felt like I was just being so mean to my class. Like I was having like no patience with them. And like you said, like I wanted them to all just act perfect and like just do their thing and cooperate with me because I was like just so over it. And like normally I have the patience to deal with like, I lost my charger. I can't find this thing. I accidentally deleted the Google Doc. Like deal with like just children woes that happen but when like I didn't have the time the night before to take care of myself and unwind and relax I like didn't have the emotional bandwidth to deal with them and I think that a lot of people that have been in the classroom and just been getting beaten down for like 10 years have completely lost their emotional bandwidth to handle normal children woes So if you're in my class, sorry about that. It's really important to notice that too because like if you're feeling that burnout or you're feeling like maybe you'd rather get COVID or get in a car accident than go to work this morning or you're looking at little kids' hands to remind yourself they're just children. Like maybe if you're at this level, like take a break. Like there is – I know that teaching is an identity career, but there is no shame in taking time off. Take a sabbatical like switch schools try like just quit you know like there's there is no shame in it like you are not your career ask your hr about fmla yeah we love fmla ask the union be like union have you ever heard of stress pain if you have one (laughs) but i i think and i said this i said this already i know that i'm not in the classroom anymore and i always like to preface that because i don't want people to think i'm trying to tell teachers what to do but you're in the right place my words of advice because i always felt like i had to be perfect all the time or else someone was going to be upset or was going to be a disservice to my kids and i just kind of eventually had to come to the conclusion that again if i wasn't my best self and if i wasn't taken care of then i wasn't the teacher that my students deserved And so even like, okay, something doesn't get done. But if it means that you're the teacher that your kids deserve the next day, then maybe it's a little bit more worth it, you know? Go watch you an episode of Grey's Anatomy, you know? You deserve it. Go listen to a Taylor Swift song for a second and just decompress. Like, it's very little things, but even just taking like a moment or of a moment to yourself for a little bit just to give yourself a second to breathe, I think can be so make it or break it in regards to like, 
are you going to stick it out for the year? Or are you going to decide mid-year, I can't do this anymore? Because at, at the end of the day, the better you take care of yourself, the longer you'll be able to stay in this profession, which should tell you a lot because I didn't take care of myself and here I am not in it anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is like the perfect ADHD brain scratch. I could like talk to you forever. I mean, you know, I could talk to you for a hundred million years, but um, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and talking to us. I feel very cool that you're here. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Always. Is there anything else you want to share with the people? Yeah. Um, just thanks guys for hanging out with me. We liked you a lot. I, I've, I've always loved Fraz. I'm really happy to have met you. I, I can't believe we've never like officially met. So I'm terrible at influencing. Like my networking is on absolute zero. Yeah, Rebecca is the goat. I like to meet people. I'm like, hi, I haven't, I haven't met you yet. Be my friend. And sometimes that gets me in trouble. But it's okay because a lot, of, a lot of times I meet really great people. If I meet 10 people, I would rather meet three really bad ones if it means that I get to meet seven really awesome ones. Or even even if you switch the numbers, I'd still be happy. Oh, you lost me at switch the numbers. I was <laughs> I was trying to get on board. I, you, you lost me at meeting new people. And then I was like, nah, I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> meeting new people is good. And then when you switch the numbers, I was like, nah, I cannot get into this headspace. But I've, I've always been a people pleaser. Like when I was teaching during COVID, I literally made eight, like they, these took me 18 hours to make animated content videos for my kids who didn't have Wi-Fi, like what constant Wi-Fi and devices. One took me 18 hours. I had one for every day. Why? I'm just a people pleaser. Yeah. Why? Because I had to like, this was oh. before I even did social oh, baby media. Girl. So I had to learn to edit the bitmojis <laughs> dancing on the screen. H- had to? I don't know if I would have used the word had to. <laughs> <laughs> My brain told me That's one thing that I like. I feel myself like ascending in teaching because I used to like always have the cutest thing, and now I will show the students the ugliest PowerPoint I've seen in my entire life. (laughs) Like the World War II one I'm showing tomorrow. Every slide is a different theme because I just took it from other PowerPoints. I love Whatever it. you got to do. I didn't take care of my mental health. That's why I'm not here yeah, anymore. Exactly. I did way too That's much. That's why like, I will be able to be nice and helpful to them because I only spent 15 minutes on that PowerPoint. Exactly. If I had spent two hours and made it good, I would have been so mean to those kids. Thank you so much for coming to Teacher Quit Talk. We love you so much. Bye. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Have a great day at work. Or don't.